All right, to begin today, as you think through life and the promises that you have made, the people you've made them to, what is the strongest type of promise you can make? Now, just so we're clear, a promise is a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. So what is the sturdiest, solidest, most reliablest promise you can make? You don't have to think too hard. I already have the answer for you. The answer is... The pinky promise. If you have ever made a pinky, prom- a pinky promise, you know what I'm talking about. It's a promise that is made from the heart and that is sealed by the hands. And you know good and well that if a little child came running into you right now and said, Hey, pinky promised me that? You're going to come through on that promise. It's why I have four cats living in my house to this day. Now, our text today has two promises. Promises from the Lord, promises that he made from his heart, and that in a few days he would seal with his hands, with his feet, with his side. And really, if you take a chance, and you're going to want to open up your Bibles now to John chapter 16, but I would tell you, open up your Bibles and look through John 14 through 17 sometime this week, because it is all about promises. I think when I went through it, I counted something like 25 promises in these chapters. For it's here in these four little chapters in the book of John where Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he kind of takes a break to slow down. So there's no healings in these chapters. There's no crazy action. It's just Jesus speaking promises to his disciples and to us. Immediately following, there'll be torture, there'll be death, there'll be resurrection. But here, the Lord bids us to slow down and to hear the promises that he makes to us. So let's look at our text today. The the verses will come up on the screen. They're also in your bulletin. You got it in your Bible as well. It starts here. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Now this is a quick line, and usually you don't stop on the first line. You just kind of keep going. But don't you love what this line shows us about Jesus? I have more to say to you, but you can't bear it right now. Does our Savior not know us? Does our Savior not care for us? A short, simple sentence, but it shows that he knows everything about us. And in his knowing, he cares for us so much to give us what we need when we need it. He has no desire to overwhelm us or to give us what we can't handle. Rather, it is his enduring and lasting love that he will be continually present with us, continually giving, continually loving. Much more to say more than you can now bear. And then he continues, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit will reveal the truth to the disciples and to us. The Holy Spirit's revelations originate from the Father and from the Son. From those things that he has heard from the Father and the Son, he will now reveal to the believers. It is for this reason that we believe that the inspired New Testament exists. 
that the Holy Spirit inspired the apostles to write the letters, to write the gospels. And even more than that, he shows John the things that are to come so that he can write Revelation, a book of hope, a book of promise, a book that says you do not need to be afraid for the Lord himself will conquer and come back for you. It is the Holy Spirit that shows us in this reveling of truth that it's not about the Spirit's glory, but it is all about the glory of Jesus, the name of Jesus. When we witness, when we sing, when we praise, we glorify Jesus. When we hear his word, when we live out his truth, we glorify Jesus. And in a world where we are told that truth is whatever works for you and can be whatever you want it to be, this is an amazing promise from our Jesus. It is a sturdy, solid, reliable promise that he will reveal to us the truth. See, we live in constant growth and change or change and deterioration, whether, whether that is personal or as a society we are moving. Here in Jesus, truth can become foundation. A foundation for the way that things ought to be and the way that things are. It is in the name of Jesus that we find out the truth of who we are and whose we are. The truth of what the Son has done for us. How that truth is permanent and cannot be taken away on account of anything. And because of his resurrection and his conquering of death, his truth remains to us. To where even to this day, by water and the word, the truth of someone receiving the name of Jesus and becoming made new happens even in our midst. How by Jesus Christ and his truth, someone can be brought into everlasting life into the family of God. It is only in the truth of Jesus where we are promised newness and given this resurrection life. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me, and because I'm going to the Father. Classic disciples, never getting it. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Now, remember, they're all around the picture, and if we're to believe the painting, they're like chilling right there. So I don't know why they're not just saying to Jesus, hey, dude, and they're whispering to other. But here's probably why. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me? I bet they were like, oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Quick side note, this is true. My daughter actually asked my wife and my mother-in-law, what was the pain like when you gave birth? And they were like, I don't remember. So it's true. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice. And then there's this, no one will take away your joy. Now, while most of these promises are for believers in general, 
A few are limited, the disciples, and one is this one right here. When Jesus says, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me, he meant he was going to die and be buried. But then a little while later he would rise, and they would see him again. You and I know that that little while was three days. Three days is kind of a long time to wait. 2,000 or so years is a long time to wait. You know, St. Tom Petty said, the waiting is the hardest part. <laughs> Actually, I believe he sung it. The way, do it with me. The waiting is... No, we're not going to do it with me. Whatever, now you don't get it. <laughs> but waiting out a promise isn't easy. I wish I could tell you with all certainty that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I wish I could tell you those of us who have children that our Lord Jesus will come back before they are teenagers. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that you don't have to wait for things to get better. They're just going to become better. I wish I could tell you you don't have to wait for the results to come in from the doctor. I wish I could tell you that you don't have to wait for what's going to happen in that situation that you've been praying about. But you don't have to wait any longer for that baby you've been trying for that job that you want to come through. But we wait. We wait. And the promise of the Lord is that he will return. And the everlasting promise of the Lord is resurrection, is bringing to life that which should be dead, is making new that which should be discarded. He promises that he will turn our grief into joy. That no one will be able to take the joy that we have in Christ from us. That no one will be able to take the hope that we have in Jesus Christ from us. The words of a promise, the hope and the assurance that they give, they constantly battle against the things that happen to us. They constantly battle against the former and the old ways. But Jesus' promise and this new resurrection life is why the scriptures call for us to take our stand by his promise. Take that stand in faith, not by sight. Calls us to live in hope, to not grow weary in doing good. Because the one who calls us, the one who promises us is faithful, he will surely do it. We trust in the promises of Jesus, not because it sounds nice and there, we want this like optimistic view on life. We trust in the promises of Jesus because of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. Because everything Jesus said he would do, he did and he will return. Scripture promises us that his word goes forth from his mouth. It shall not return void, but it shall accomplish what he pleases, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. More than words, his words become our life and our relationship. Jesus promises much because he delivers much. Jesus promises much because by the Spirit, he is continually present and always present with us, never leaving us. Moving us, guiding us, revealing truth to us. And it is by his life and by his work 
that we continue now to live in that promise and live out our lives and his work in our relationship with him and with the people that he brings into our lives. I don't know which of these promises you need, but here are just a few of them from John chapter 14 and 17. Promises of this life and the way that Jesus started them and that we now continue them. So hear them and then take them. I washed your feet. You wash one another's feet. I've loved you. You love one another. What a call to be marked by the way that we will love one another. You've seen me. You will see the Father. It's coming. I know it is. You've seen Jesus work. You'll do his work. Jesus said to the disciples, I was with you, but he promises that his spirit will be with us. Jesus says, I live. And so we also will live. Jesus told them that you are in me, and he has promised us that he is in us. He says, I'll teach you, and I've taught you, and now the Spirit will remind and teach you. Jesus says, abide in me, stay in me, and then he promises that he will abide in us. Jesus reminds us that he was hated. And he says, we will be hated. You come to that witness class, and one of the things we talk about is how sometimes when we witness, we fail. And how that's okay. Jesus says the Spirit is going to testify, and that we are going to testify. He says that he'll go away, but the Spirit will come. He says, I haven't finished what I have to say, and that the Spirit will tell us. He says, I'm no longer in the world, but we are. We're in the world. He says that he and the Father are one and that we should be one. You and I, one. That's why we create a discipleship pathway so that we can become one force that connects to God, grows together, and shares Christ. That is not a mistake That is who we are. Jesus says he doesn't belong to the world and that we don't either. Jesus said the Father sent him into the world and so he's going to send us into this world to be the salt and light. Jesus sanctified himself and we are sanctified by his body and his blood. Jesus told us the Father loves him and that the Father loves us. That is the promise. Continual love. Resurrected life. And as the band makes their way back up to sing one of our last songs, you know, it, it's right here. And the promises in the work of Jesus, you didn't see any step-by-step -step instructions there. All you saw was how things are because of Jesus. Jesus will make it that way. He makes the Spirit with us. He teaches us. He lives in us. 
He will testify through us. He will love us. His spirit forming in us the resurrected life of Jesus. The victory that we have in Jesus, the new life we have in him. So as we close our worship today in praise and prayer, I would invite you to stand and sing your praises, our praises, to the one who makes all things new, the one who will come again. This is one last promise from Revelation chapter 21. Jesus showed the Apostle John this promise so that no matter what he faced in life, he would know the power of Jesus. He would know the truth of Jesus. He would know what we have in the name of Jesus. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And I saw John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And as he sat upon the throne, he said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are true and beautiful. We sing these words in their truth, in their beauty, in the promise of what we have in Jesus.